0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, Dan. How are you?
0: Doing well, and also joined by
2: Scott Patsko. Scott, how are you? Yep, ready to go. We're all in our basements. <laughs> this is a normal Thursday for <laughs> us. <laughs> Still in our I'm basement.
1: In the basement, actually, I'm in the living room today. Uh-oh, oh, Okay,
2: God. Mary Kay's <laughs> getting some sunlight. Um,
1: okay. <laughs>
0: Scott, you are sort of the driving force behind our our topics today. You put up two posts, uh, one a couple days ago and one today. We're recording this on Thursday. Uh, Three stats to feel optimistic about Baker Mayfield and three reasons for maybe pessimism about Baker Mayfield. We've talked a lot about Baker this week uh, because this is kind of Baker Mayfield week. And then next week we're going to have a big Zoom call with our Football Insider subscribers. I'll tell everybody more about that later. Uh, But all things Baker, that's what we've been talking about on this podcast. We're going to continue it today. And we're going to start on a topic we've discussed before. This was your first uh, stat to make you optimistic about Baker Mayfield in 2020. And it was play action passing. And just some of the data you included, he used it 23.3% of the time over the final half of his rookie season. His completion percentage was 73.3%, which was fourth in the NFL compared to 76, I'm sorry, 67.2% without it. And last season, That was really the big uptick. 10.1% better when he was throwing out of play action. This is a big reason. This is something, Scott will let you run with this first. This was something that even Jimmy Haslam brought up when, after he fired John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens, Baker Mayfield in play action. It's pretty obvious he's significantly better when he has that at his disposal.
2: Yeah, it was really weird in in looking at this and and some of the uh, things I had done actually prior to this too uh, in terms of play action. The Browns seemed to – there was like a light switch that went off midway through his rookie year and then again midway through last season. You know, as I pointed out in the story, uh, once Freddie Kitchens took over and uh, started calling plays, the play action kind of got ramped up and he he performed better. Um, Last season, it was very similar. It it seemed like halfway through the season – the Browns realized that, that they needed to try some different things. The that, that things weren't working. And I think, you know, at that point, you're, what, two and six? Uh, so you got to make changes. And, and more play action uh, was one of those things. Um, you know, they actually finished uh, – he finished higher than, uh, than, than Kirk Cousins in Minnesota on play action uh, dropbacks last season. But it was mostly because they ramped it up and the Vikings kind of dialed it back towards the second part of the season. But, but it was this weird thing. Now, going to this season, I guess that the hope would be that, that there's consistency there. But um, but yeah, it's, it's clear that the play action helped him. And it helps everybody. I mean, you, you, you do things to make you know the linebackers or safeties move a certain way before the snap. And, and it works out for you. There's, there's data that says you don't even really need to establish the run. For it to work, you know, we always hear that. Well, let's get the run going, and then you you work on play action. But that's not necessarily the case. It's just the threat of it. You know, the defense has to, you know, has to pay attention to that and deal with it, whether you know whether you have a running back that's running well or not. So, uh, going into this season, I would suspect that they're going to be more consistent than they had the last two. I don't. I doubt that you'd see them all of a sudden switch and and start to ramp it up halfway through the season again.
1: I think what happened last year was. Uh, that, you know, Freddie was reluctant to use it for whatever reason, you know, which is kind of weird. Uh, And then they would meet with Freddie every Monday. Paul DiPodesto would come back in uh, from the road games. Uh, They would have all, you know, the other analytics people would present Freddie with, you know, the analytics, with the numbers and kind of show him, you know, here's what works for Baker Mayfield. Here's what doesn't. And a lot of times it seems like he may have resisted some of that input and some of that information. But I think uh, once they started to lose and things kind of went awry, uh, by the second half of the season, I think they you know, were really kind of shoving some of this analytics down his throat and saying, look, you got to use more play action because that's when Baker is so much more successful. And I actually thought that the uh, completion for percentage was a little bit even, uh, there was more disparity in it from play action to no play action. I thought the, I thought it was in the fifties for no play action, but, um, but anyways. so I, I think that's what happened. I think that, I think that Freddie Kitchens just kind of had to get in line with what they were telling him that he needed to do. And that's one of the reasons why he's gone. I mean, he just would not embrace those numbers, those analytics until he was kind of forced to.
0: And, and this is what, this is why you built this team and, and this front office and this coaching staff the way you have. And, and, you know, you can't ignore data like that. You just can't. If you're a head coach, all you have all this information available to you. And if there's something that jarring, something that obvious, you just can't ignore it. You can't just say, well, you know, that's not how I want to call plays or that's not how I want to do it. You've got to account for that. You've got to do everything you can to put Baker Mayfield in the best positions possible. And if that means you've got to run more play action than maybe you're comfortable with, that's kind of your job. We always talk about coaches. You got to put your players in the best positions to succeed, and part of that is understanding the data that's right in front of you and applying it to what you're doing.
2: Yeah, I think NFL.com said uh, Baker's passer rating went up like 35, 36 points with play action. And the thing about the Browns is they don't have just any running back behind Baker, right? They have Nick Chubb uh, and, and for at least half the season, Kareem Hunt, two guys that a defense is going to have to prepare for. It isn't like this is a running game by committee with, you know, some average dudes. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's some legit uh, NFL running backs that uh, I think you add in the play action dynamic to that, then, uh, you know, you get even more of a, of the effect that you want out of it. So, uh, you know, Stefanski coming in and, and focusing on that. Uh, it, I don't see how that can help Baker.
1: You know, I'm surprised that, and I have seen that and heard that too that, you don't necessarily need to have a great running game, but the threat of the running game to make play action viable, that uh, it, it just seems so counterintuitive to me. Uh, but I have seen that, and I, I do believe that it's true because the numbers bear it out. But it just seems like, uh, you know, the Browns would be at such an advantage knowing that, uh, yes, you can really cram the ball down the other team's throat with Nick Chubb, with Kareem Hunt, and that it would make play action even way more of a threat.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think a big piece of it is, you know, if you're at least showing that other team that you're willing to hand the football off, the defense has to stop that, right? Whether you're good at it or not, the defense still has to go and tackle the guy. Uh, So if you can just make them hesitate for a split second, maybe make that defensive end hesitate for a split second or something, that changes it. But then you add in the dynamic of now you're handing the ball to a guy that could take it 80 yards, now, you've, now you're you really going to ramp up uh, how effective that play action can be. All right, we're going to switch over to the other side, a reason to maybe be a little pessimistic about Baker Mayfield. And that's, you know, here's a guy that has been known for his accuracy. And, Scott, you pointed out that at Oklahoma, his completion percentage was 69.8 over three years. He led the country with 70.9 and 70.5% in his final two seasons. He was at 63.8% as a rookie then dropped all the way to 59.4% last year. And if you're in adjusted completion percentage, 69.5% is what pro football focus had him at, which is 27th in the league. And one of the things that I kind of want to point out here is, you know, completion percentage has sort of changed a little bit in the NFL. I I think the standard has changed. I think there was a time when you would look at 60% and think, oh, that's really good. That's what you want out of your quarterback. But you look at some of the leaders last year, Drew Brees, 74.3. Uh, Ryan Tannehill was at 70.3. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was at 69.1. Deshaun Watson was at 67.3. Kirk Cousins was at 69.1. Uh, Matt Ryan, 66.2. Russell Wilson, 66.1. Lamar Jackson, 66.1. You've got 10 guys. I didn't list them all. 10 guys at 66% or more. Uh, Patrick Mahomes at 65.9. The point here is that the completion percentage number kind of keeps changing in the NFL, and that's even that 63 from Baker's rookie year is a little bit low, so it, it is a little concerning to see that.
2: Yeah, I think he was that 63% was about 21st overall, um, but I think the, the key there is that it wasn't like he dropped off the map when he got into the NFL, um, it was still. I think you could call it maybe respectable for, for a rookie. We didn't look at that rookie season and think, wow, Baker lost his accuracy that we saw at Oklahoma. No, because we saw a lot of big-time throws, a lot of throws where he was uh, threading the needle. Some of the Jarvis Landry come to mind that year. Um, but th- those accurate throws just – they they decreased last year. He was fourth in the league Uh with accurate throws or the percentage of accurate throws 66 and a half as a rookie. Last season, he was down to 30th at 55.4. So a lot of things changed. A lot of things had to do with that. You know, it can be play calling the offensive line uh, receivers, not uh, getting separation. Um, You know, we saw him uh, escape the pocket a lot and, and, and kind of run himself into trouble. So a lot of things kind of go into that, but I think when you boil it all down, that accuracy that we became, he became so known for just wasn't there I think the the thing where you can maybe twist this into a positive or maybe not as much of a negative is the fact that he had those years at Oklahoma and he had that rookie season and so you got you know four years there where he was playing at a, at a pretty high level and then then there was last year the odds say that that it would maybe kind of revert back to the norm you know If that season last year had come two seasons ago, it wouldn't be as big of a deal, but it's the thing we saw last. Just like Lamar Jackson's season last season, it's pretty, the odds are against him doing that again, knowing what we know about his passing ability coming out of Louisville. So I think this season, you might see things just naturally go back to the way things were a little bit. Maybe he doesn't reach above what he was as a rookie yet, but I doubt that we're going to see that 59% again, Um, but it is cause for concern because we don't really, we can't point to one thing and say, this is why it happened.
1: You know, I think, uh, Dan, when you reeled off uh, some of those completion percentages of some of the top quarterbacks from last year, uh, what comes to mind is a number of those guys, Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Ryan, uh, Kirk Cousins. A lot of those guys are in the very same system that Baker Mayfield will be running this year. That West Coast play action scheme, in some cases, the wide zone, exactly the same thing that, you know, Kyle Shanahan runs in San Francisco and that uh, Kevin Stefanski, Gary Kubiak ran in Minnesota. And it just kind of lends itself to those kind of numbers and that kind of completion percentage for these quarterbacks. And I think that's another one of the reasons why you are seeing the completion percentage be so much better because it is a, you know, these are high percentage passes that they're throwing. You know, you've always got somebody that can keep the quarterback out of trouble. I mean, Baker Manfield should not be throwing 21 interceptions this year. He should have plenty of options, uh, you know, off the boots, off the play action, off the rollouts. You know, there should be plenty of space. There should be plenty of guys, out in you know running running routes that he uh, can get the ball to and go through his reads and, and find somebody several guys open and with uh, once again with defenders biting on those fakes and and coming up to you know to stop the run it's going to leave guys open and, and ready to catch that football so uh, I really do think that there will just be a natural improvement in that completion percentage based on the offense he will be operating in.
0: No, and and also to be fair, I mean completion percentage is what it is uh I mean Derek Carr was at 70.4 percent and you know there, there's always talk every year of you know does Oakland need a new quarterback Ryan Tannehill like I mentioned at 70.3 you know we'll see how sustainable that is Mahomes was 11th in the league um and he's the best quarterback in football so you Cody, know,
2: Kessler, I, Cody Kessler had a good completion percentage
0: yeah, Carson Wentz was at 63.9. You know, you kind of go down this list. There are guys. Aaron Rodgers was at 62. So there are guys who have success, and their completion percentages aren't up near 70. Uh, but it, it is a li- it was a little concerning to see that dip with Mayfield, and he's a more aggressive quarterback too. So that's going to make that completion percentage drop. I think that's why Mahomes. You know, you're not going to see him up at 70 because he's going to take some shots because he's got guys like Tyree Kill running down the field. Uh, so. I know there's people out there probably screaming at us saying, stop talking about completion percentage. But, you know, we, we understand that it's different for every quarterback, but it does matter a little bit too. Uh, okay, your next stat uh, from Scott here, a positive stat. Back to this side, 12 and 13 personnel. We've talked a lot about this. Uh, and here's a stat. In 145 snaps, Baker Mayfield was second in the league with 29 pass attempts out of 13 personnel. He completed 69% of his passes average at 11.1 yards according to next-gen stats. So, uh, you know, that's, that's just one example that you put in there, and we've talked about it before. Uh, I know next-gen stats is very high on him. Sharp Football, who you cited there as well, uh, has always been high on Baker Mayfield um, when it comes to working out of bigger personnel. And that's what Kevin Stefanski is going to bring uh, to try and play to Mayfield's strengths.
2: Yeah, this is where the word alignment comes in again. You know, we heard that about <clears throat> from the Browns between the coaching staff and the front office, but really uh, what we're probably going to see now is more alignment between Baker Mayfield and the offense. And, you know, with Kevin Stefanski coming in, wanting to use two tight ends a lot, uh, multiple running backs in some cases. Uh, these are things, and formations that Baker has shown that uh, he's excelled at working out of. Um, so it, it makes sense that that we should expect maybe him to – not just to get more opportunities, but to actually excel the more he gets. So, you know, you have two dynamic running backs. You have the best tight end that was probably available in free agency. Uh, Everything's set up for him to to do well, and you've improved the offensive line. So you have all these things working in unison, and Kevin Stefanski coming in, knowing what makes Baker Mayfield succeed. I'm sure that if Jimmy Haslam had thought of it, he would have mentioned personnel groupings, when he told us about play action uh, early after the offseason when he spoke to us. So they know what, what makes Baker Mayfield a successful quarterback, and they're going to make sure they put him in those situations.
1: Even when we talked to Alex Van Pelt yesterday, he did talk a lot about, you know, sometimes we're going to be in two tight ends. Sometimes we're going to be in three tight ends. And I, he think, I think he even mentioned, you know, two backs, two tight ends, 22. Um, so I think you will see a lot of that. But whenever we talk about that, and, you know, when I go over in my mind and try to envision envision how this is all going to play out, I do start to wonder, you know, how are you going to just feed guys like Odell and Jarvis as much as as you are going to want to, as much as they're going to want the ball when you are, you know, going with some of these higher percentage, you know, shorter West Coast type passes to tight ends and things like that. I mean, I think there will be enough to go around to keep everyone happy, but I do sometimes wonder about that a little bit because, uh, you know, those two guys, they want the ball early and often. And we've talked about this before on this podcast. They do better when they get involved early and when you kind of get them going and and they heat up and and they get even more motivated to catch the next pass. Uh, I think it is going to be a little bit challenging and I think it's going to be a work in progress to try to figure out how to make this offense flow with the exact personnel that they have.
0: Right. And the other thing is how do you get guys on the field as much as they want to get on the field? So look, Odell and Jarvis are going to be on the field. Nick Chubb's going to be on the field. Austin Hooper, David Njoku, those guys will be on the field. But, you know, what if we're halfway through the season and Rashard Higgins isn't getting on the field as much as he wants? You know, obviously he's not at the level of those other guys, but, you know, he signed back here because he wants to be that third receiver. And what if he's not getting on the field? What if, you know, Kareem Hunt all of a sudden isn't getting on the field as much as he wants you got to keep guys happy. That's going to be the challenge that, that Stefanski and uh, um, Alex Van Pelt face. But if you win and you score a bunch of points, sometimes that can make that stuff go away. Or if, you know, that one touch a guy gets happens to come in the end zone, he might feel a little better about uh, only getting that, those one or two touches in a, in a football game. So um, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. But uh, it, it's something that, that Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt are going to have to deal with. Uh, a pessimistic stat. This is something Baker Mayfield is going to have to deal with a little bit better. Self-induced pressure. Scott, you told us a little bit about this the other day. So uh, go ahead and explain this one to us.
2: Yeah, PFF uh, keeps track of pressures. And, uh, you know, they'll have hits, hurries, sacks. Add them all up you get a quarterback pressure. Chris Hubbard, responsible for 38 of those, led the Browns. I believe he led them both of the last two seasons. I think he had over 40 in 2018, but Baker was second uh, causing 33 of his own pressures, including a team high 10 sacks. So clearly uh, he didn't have the confidence in his offensive line that he might have had the year before, maybe for whatever reason, it was basically the same offensive line minus, minus a right guard. Um, so Baker was kind of getting himself in trouble. I wrote this, this, uh, reason for, for concern without really acknowledging some of the other quarterbacks who had similar numbers. I mean, on, by itself, I think, yes, there is concern that Mayfield got himself into trouble so much, and you don't want that to become a, a habit. Um, even though the offensive line has been rebuilt, you don't want him to be a little jumpy at the first sign of trouble. But if you look at some of the other quarterbacks who are around him, Baker was eighth in pressures kind of self-induced pressures, I guess we can call them. Right below him, actually tied uh, Patrick Mahomes, also with 33. Um, Aaron Rodgers had 35. Deshaun Watson was first with 44. Russell Wilson, 35. So there are some quarterbacks who are under pressure and can deal with it. I think that's the big thing that, that we didn't see is, yeah, the offensive line maybe got a little worse, but you'd hope that the experience that Baker had would kind of bridge some of that. Um, it didn't seem to happen last year. Maybe we'll see more of that in his third year when things do break down, that, that he isn't so quick to, to try and escape and that he makes things happen that, you know, that are good.
1: I think he, uh, you know, at times, I, I think you're right. I think he got antsy. I think there were uh, plenty of times where he escaped the pocket when he didn't really need to. I don't think he's going to do that anywhere near as much this year uh, as he obviously did last year. I think he's going to trust his offensive line way more. I mean, my goodness. As, as long as Jedrick Wills uh, adjusts very quickly to, you know, the left side and to making that switch, and there will probably be some growing pains in the early going. But as long as he lives up to his first-round status – we know that Jack Conklin's going to be super solid on the other side. So for the most part, I mean, you're going to have an upgraded offensive line. I think that's going to give Baker a whole lot of confidence. Then once again, when you uh, factor in all of the outlets, the check downs and the different options that he's going to have out of all of these uh, plays that he's going to be in with the play action and boots and all those different kinds of things, uh, you know, he just is going to have, again, a comfort level, a confidence level with the scheme. He trusts the coaches. I just don't think he's going to be skittish, if we want to call it that. I think that, uh, I think he's going to play with that confidence that we saw him play with in college. And again, in his freshman year, I mean, in his rookie year, when he, when he set the rookie touchdown record with 27, I think you're going to see that sort of swagger back this year.
0: I think, too, um, when, when you mentioned those other quarterbacks, I think Baker Mayfield is good on the run. He's good on the move. I mean, one of the best throws of his career that, that everybody goes back to was that throw to Jarvis uh, against the Panthers when he was on the run. Uh, kind of threw it off his back foot. But I also think Baker is a little more of an on-time quarterback than, like, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, uh, some, some of those other guys you mentioned, Russell Wilson. You know, those guys tend to create a little more, uh, and – Uh, when when they move around you know Aaron Aaron Rodgers is like the master of that right Uh, Baker is a little more of an on-time guy a guy who moves around in the pocket more slight movements and and is able to find throwing lanes and so I think if he's able to be a little more comfortable doing that which is what he was so good at I mean what do we talk about during 2018 his pocket presence and how just how good he was of managing and managing the pocket and not escaping too early you know and only escaping when he needed to and if he can get back to that I think you're going to see all these things that we've talked about including that completion percentage get back up to where you want it in that 64 65 66 range um and, and I think that's you know he got away from that last year and part of that might have been because he didn't really trust his offensive line a whole lot okay we're going to take a quick break I'll tell you about Football Insider and then we got two more stats that we're going to talk about If you haven't signed up for Football Insider yet, you're obviously not listening to me. You should sign up for it. Start your 14-day free trial for Football Insider. It is our subscription text service where me, Mary Kay, Scott, Ellis Williams, will text you with the latest on the Browns. We'll offer news, analysis, what we're thinking about the team, the league, anything like that. You can text us back directly, and we can respond directly to you. It cuts through the clutter of social media, and it's a great way to interact with us in a different way. Also, we do special events, and the reason I mention that is on Tuesday night at 7 p.m., we'll be holding a special Zoom call for our subscribers all about Baker Mayfield. We'll talk about where he's been, where he's going, what we expect from him in year number three and on top of that, every day you get a newsletter texted to you. It's exclusive. It's content that we don't put anywhere else on the website. It's just for our Football Insider subscribers. So like I said, there's a 14-day free trial, and then it's $3.99 a month after that. You can cancel it with a simple text. If you want to check it out, go to cleveland.com browns. There's a box on the right side of the page. Click there to get the details. Or if you just want to get it started now, text 216 216- Two zero eight three nine six five to get yourself signed up. Again, it's that easy to start that fourteen day free trial. All you have to do is text two one six two zero eight three nine six five. Now back to the show. I'm back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby alongside Mary Kate Cabot and Scott Patsko, and we've got two more Baker Mayfield stats. One to make you feel optimistic. One to maybe make you feel a little pessimistic. Baker Mayfield against the Blitz. That's an optimistic one. And I'll be honest with you, he's one of those quarterbacks on the eyeball test. When I see him uh, pick up a blitz and, and hit a pass, you can see he's somebody who really understands you know, how to work against the blitz. And 217 dropbacks, Scott, you wrote, against blitzing defenses, Mayfield completed 63.3% of his passes last season, 609 as a rookie. He threw 11 touchdowns against the blitz last season, the same as 2018, but reduced his interceptions from six to four his adjusted completion percentage against the blitz taking into account dropped and batted passes rose to 72 so we're seeing that picture a little bit of a quarterback kind of like what we talked about before the break who understands how to work in the pocket understands how to avoid blitzers and understands how to punish defenses against blitzers and it sounds like based on the research you did scott he was better at
2: it last year yeah and his adjusted completion percentage you know it's 72 uh, against the blitz he and not just that his offensive grade from pff also jumped considerably you know 63 to 81 so that was where the, the experience we saw it. you know maybe not in in dealing with with the pressure once it got around him or what he considered pressure but when the blitz was coming and recognizing the defense uh, and knowing what to do um, maybe getting lucky sometimes but that's, you know, that's where we saw the improvement from Baker. And you kind of hope that that keeps going and some of those other things kind of catch up with it. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, we, we knew he was a smart quarterback coming out of, out of Oklahoma. Um, so this is something that wasn't really surprising, I don't think. Um, and it's obviously bodes well for, for Stefanski's offense, knowing that that's not really something they have to worry about. They just need to worry about keeping pressure away from Baker. He'll recognize blitzes and they can kind of go from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, his football acumen is is so high. And I think that, uh, you know, that shows up in this statistic, as you mentioned. I I think that that is one of the strengths of Baker Mayfield is that he just has a natural feel and knack for this game. The other thing uh, that comes to mind for me about this is even though Baker Mayfield isn't like super fast, we don't necessarily consider him uh, a running quarterback uh, or super, super athletic. He is so shifty and agile that he can get himself, he can just sort of sidestep pressure, or he can step up. I mean, he just can sense that. And uh, and I just think that that's one of his uncanny abilities, uh, that that he can still get the pass off because, you know, he just doesn't crumble or wither in those situations. He knows how to just take two steps one way or the other, and, and he gets that pass off.
0: And, you know, mention it, he's smart. You know, he we've seen him work the line of scrimmage. He he can be really good at that. And I, I thought last year one of the things they didn't take advantage of enough was maybe playing up-tempo a little bit. Get up to the line, let him sort of look over the defense and, and see what he could maybe adjust into. And, and I think that's an area of strength for him. And I, I felt like they didn't use that enough in 2019, whereas we saw flashes of that in 2018. I mean, that's how the NFL game is. You let your quarterback, when you trust him, go up to the line, look things over. And make changes as he needs to make them and and it just seemed like there wasn't enough of that last year so I I think that plays into that stat as well now the other the weird stat here and the reason for pessimism and I had come across this one too is Mayfield in a clean pocket Uh, now he he wasn't near the top of the league necessarily in clean pockets um, but his completion percentage Scott against clean pockets was not as high as you would like it. 67.7% of his passes for 19 touchdowns without pressure, which sounds good, but that's actually a lot lower than some other guys. So, did, did that surprise you when he came across that? Because, like I said, I found that too over the weekend, and I'm like, huh, I, I didn't expect to see that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then that, by the way, was his rookie year. It actually went oh, down yeah, last season, sorry. but, um, but yeah, it was. Uh, when I was kind of looking through, you know, when I was going to d- decided to do this. I kind of had to search a little bit for, uh, for that third stat, you know, there were, there were a couple of things that, that, there were things that obviously came to mind, you know, his accuracy and, and, and the pressures. Um, but in looking, trying to find something that maybe was a little off the beaten path. Um, when I found this, it was, it kind of stood out because you think, okay, well, he should excel when there's no pressure on him. But, but that actually went down to 64.5% last season, uh, 16 touchdowns, 15 picks with no pressure. Um, his passer rating was like 85 without pressure. So he had a lower percentage of clean pockets, um, last season, like 66% versus 71 as a rookie. But again, this is another thing where you think experience and having gone through half a season, a little over half a season, actually, you know, as a rookie that, that, that would help him going into year two. Um, but I think a lot of this goes back to something Mary Kay mentioned about Stefanski's Um, compared to Freddie Kitchens, you know, this time last year, we were under the impression that they were kind of like putting everything in the pot and mixing it up and trying to figure out what that offense was going to be. This year, everybody that's talked to us from the Browns has given us the impression that they know what the offense is going to be. And there isn't a, a situation where they're trying to figure it out. So I think having more of a focus at this point, uh, and, you know, whenever they do get back on the field, actually being able to hit the ground running, so to speak, uh, is going to be huge for things like this, for things like pressures, um, and, and his completion percentage. All the things that are, that are reasons for concern here, I think, can be helped by the fact that there's more of a focus, more of an identity on offense, and, and it all revolves around Baker, so it's going to make his job a little easier than the mishmash that they were trying to do last year. Yeah, Mary
0: Mary Kay, I want to clarify these stats real quick, because like Scott said, I I cited the the rookie year stats. Um, When you you reduce it down to 50% of dropbacks uh, and quarterbacks out of clean pockets, Mayfield was only better when it came to uh, completion percentage than Andy Dalton, 64.5%. So it was a little bit of a surprising number to come across.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I think that is a function of a number of things last year when I look at this particular statistic, which you think... Is, you know, it is a little bit puzzling as you guys have mentioned, but I think it comes from a couple of things. Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. were really not able to practice much last year at all, and they never really practiced uh, in training camp. And I think at times Baker Mayfield forced the ball to those guys. And you know when when we saw some some of the throws that were just so far off the mark, uh, generally it was to those two guys. Most of his interceptions now you would expect that they would be uh, to those two guys as well because he's throwing the ball to them uh, more so than he is to other guys. But 15 of his 21 interceptions came to Odell and Jarvis. And this particular stat also I think uh, is a function of some lower percentage throws. You know these were sort of you know maybe the non-play action type of uh, just flinging it down the field, taking a chance late in the game, trying to come back. Uh, so I think that, you know, all of these things played into this particular statistic. And uh, I, I don't envision that being something to be really super worried about in 2020.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm almost more confident that when you look at these numbers that Scott put out there, like he seems to thrive a little better with a little chaos around him. Uh, that almost makes me feel even more confident about, about what he can do, because that's what you want out of your quarterback. He's got to be able to survive in those tense moments and, and those chaotic moments. And, and we've seen those flashes uh, from Baker Mayfield. So if you haven't read those posts, head to cleveland.com slash Browns and check them out. Three reasons to be optimistic, three reasons to be pessimistic. I think for the most part, as, as we talked about yesterday with Terry, I think most of us are, are pretty bullish on, on Baker Mayfield. And I think, you know, these numbers, like Scott said, he was kind of scrambling to find that third stat to be pessimistic. So uh, it will give you some reasons to feel good, but also some reasons, uh, some things to watch uh, to see if it's actually going to work out. So that's at cleveland.com slash Brown. So is info on Football Insider. Check that out uh, and make sure you are subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, you know, leave us good ratings, good reviews, all that stuff. Uh, That's going to do it for this week for Mary Kay and Scott. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.